Is this my cue? Okay. Well, good evening, everybody. Turn to somebody and say, God is good. Amen. Yes, he is. Praise God. Well, uh, uh, I'm Pastor Paul. No, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. And uh, thank you so much for the opportunity, Pastor Barb, to minister in this place. Uh, I know what, it's, what it means to uh, present your pulpit to someone. Uh, and uh, hopefully, prayerfully, uh, God has uh, a word in store for us tonight. Can you say by faith, amen? Amen. amen. Praise God. Uh, it, uh, I was looking at the calendar, and it was like about seven years ago, hon, that uh, just about yesterday that we arrived here in Arizona. Uh, about uh, a year ago now that we found ourselves here at this place, and uh, we felt it to be home ever since we arrived. And what a blessing it is. You are a blessed people, amen? You are a blessed people to have this place. Uh, if, if I walked here, or if I got here tonight, and uh, they said uh, there's been a change of plans, we're going to go ahead and replay Pastor Barb's message on Sunday, and uh, you just kind of sit back, I'd say, yes. <laughs> Wasn't that something awesome on Sunday? Uh, she, went, she went down territory that uh, uh, only godly people go down. She went, down, uh, she went down some territory that uh, old pastors, old preachers uh, would only venture to go down. And uh, she, she preached it good. Amen? Amen. We th- we're so thankful uh, to be a part of Faith Builders. Uh, it's, yeah, it's been about a year. I'm looking at my time. Okay, all right. Not, not, I don't have to give an offering yet or, or a... But uh, it was about a year ago that uh, we came, and uh, my wife was looking around for places. We were praying, praying about it, where we were supposed to go, and uh, she found some uh, women's uh, fellowship. And uh, then she, we happened to uh, find an old friend of ours, uh, Sister Jody. And uh, we, we knew that she was in Arizona here, but she had been hiding uh, from the law or something. And we found out that she was coming here. And we thought, well, you know something? If they've allowed her to come in there, I guess we're safe. So, amen. I want to... I want to minister for a, a short time tonight. Uh, my wife says, well, what's your, what's your sermon title? What's your message title? And I says, I don't have one. Uh, I, I, and I started thinking about it, and uh, I thought, well, I'm going to begin ministering on uh, the topic of prayer tonight. Uh, if it doesn't go well, uh, since it's Sister Jody's fault. Uh, probably one of the very first things I ever uh, was taught to do was pray. Uh, And it started out very simple. You know, it started out something like this. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. Amen. And then uh, my mother and father would tuck me into bed, and it was, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, pray the Lord my soul to take. Amen. Uh, and it just started out that way. And as I progressed through life, uh, my father was a pastor. Uh, he was then a minister. He prayed for people uh, in our house after uh, he re- resigned his pastorship. He was in the deliverance ministry. And so I got to see what prayer was about d- going through that. Sometimes I didn't want to see what prayer was about going through that. But I learned what prayer was about. I learned the effectiveness of prayer. And then as I got older, uh, as I grew in the Lord and, and began to learn things, I remember about in the mid-80s, uh, uh, learning uh, about a, 
uh, teaching series concerning prayer. I don't know if anybody remembers the name Larry Lee anymore, uh, but uh, he started a movement across not only the nation, but I think the world, uh, talking about prayer. Could you not tarry for one hour? How many remember that? Yeah, and uh, that was a that was a very uh, bless a big blessing to me and also to the body of Christ. And uh, so I've, as I've, I've gone through the the progression of of learning in prayer, we're still learning. I'm still learning the things of prayer. Uh, and uh, I under I began to understand that when we pray, uh, we pray for things like uh, healing. We pray for things like deliverance, salvation. We pray for our kids. We pray for our parents. We pray for relationships. We pray for jobs. We pray against depression. We pray against anxiety. We pray, we pray against bondage. We pray for things like peace. We pray for our nation. We pray for governments. We pray for elected officials. We pray for uh, elections. We pray for churches. We pay for, pray for pastors. We pray for police. We pray for first responders. We pray for military. We pray for neighbors. Husbands, wives, we pray for uh, missionaries, we pray for finances, we pray for evangelistic outreaches across the world, we pray for other nations, we pray for poor and impoverished people of the world, we even pray for, even though we don't pray for very much, uh, the, 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 the uh, what, what are they called, Arizona Cardinals, they don't get much prayer, obviously. But we find out through Scripture that prayer has subdued the strength of fire. It shut the mouth of lions. Prayer has caused anarchy to rest. It's extinguished wars. It's expelled demons. Prayer has appeased the elements. It has burst the chains of death. It's healed diseases. It's rescued cities from destruction. It's caused the sun to stand still. Elijah prayed and the sun stands still. He did. A praying Elijah altered the course of nature. A praying Elijah strangled the economy of a nation. A praying Elijah prayed and fire fell. Prayed and people fell. Prayed and rain fell. If there's something that we need in this day and hour, it's a Holy Ghost rain to fall upon our nation, upon the world. We need prayer to be revived in this day and hour. And I've said all those things, I've listed all those things concerning prayer, but yet someone said this, and I totally agree with it, the greatest undiscovered area in the resources of God is prayer. Let me say that again. The greatest undiscovered area in the resources of God is prayer. There's a, the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, J. Edwin Orr, he said this, Mil uh, histor history is silent about revivals that did not begin with prayer. History is silent about revivals that did not begin in prayer. As we think back over the past few decades, we know there was something like a Brownsville revival that took place. That took place because uh, of a pastor who is so frustrated with the fact there was no revival in his church that he threatened to leave that church. And they prayed for two years before one night it took place. That uh, PUSH, that acronym PUSH means pray until something happens. We need to have a church. We need to have a church body in this day and hour that would pray until something happens. Then you remember in Acts, the second chapter, that prayer produces a sound from heaven. As good as our praise team is week in and week out, the, the, the sound from heaven of a praise team is not what will open up the heavens. A great message will not open up the gates of heaven. But something happens when people are gathered together in one place, in one accord. And they're fixated on seeking God and praying until. They're not worried about, you know, something the, the, uh, 
the disciples and all the uh, early church goers at that time, they were gathered together. They, they were not asking questions. Well, when do you think God's going to come? Jesus is going to come back. They were not asking questions such as, is healing going to end with us? They were not asking questions whether, do you, well, do you think that a, a woman should be a pastor? They were not asking questions. Such as this. They were not asking the great theological question of the day, which may have been, well, if a godly woman and a godly man uh, are, are married and the godly man dies and she uh, finds another godly man and he dies and a, she finds another godly man and he dies again, whose wife will she be at the rapture? <laughs> they, were not, they were not discussing anything else. Post, mid, or or pre, they were not ask. They were not asking those questions. They were in one accord, and because they were in one accord, something took place in the heavens. God opened up the heavens and brought forth a rushing mighty wind that caused a change to take place in the world and has never been the same. Can you say amen to that? Billy Graham said this, he says, the men on whose shoulders rested the initial responsibility of Christianizing the world came to Jesus with one request. They did not ask, Lord, teach us to preach. They did not ask, Lord, teach us to show, how, show us how to do miracles. They asked, had, they had one request, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Amy Carmichael, who was a missionary to uh, the country of India for 55 years, she was a praying woman. If, if you're going to be a missionary to India, you better know how to pray. If you're going to be a missionary in Peoria, you better know how to pray. Here's what she said. Here's what, here, here is her prayer. She said, I come quietly to meet you, my father. As if I'm the only one in your universe, you meet with me. Think about that one. Think about that one. She says, forgive me for the days that I thought that meeting you was insignificant compared to all that I had to do that day. Hmm. Hmm. So my thought tonight is about prayer. The case for prayer. Why do I pray? The importance of prayer. How many believe that prayer works? There was, this is a true story. Just wanted to give a, a little bit of lightness to this. True story. A church in North Carolina was growing, uh, doing great things for God. Right across the street, an adult theater and bookstore came and opened up. Right across the street. Now the church was upset about that, perhaps rightly so. And so they checked, they checked with the city council. They, they tried to get petitions. They tried to file lawsuits. They, they, they checked with the zoning board. Hey, this, this shouldn't be. But nothing worked. Finally, someone said, let's go to prayer. True story. And so they decided they were going to pray for 21 straight days. The end of the 21st day, all of a sudden, a thunderstorm and lightning hit the theater, burned it down, and it was left to rubble. The theater sued the church, and they said, you prayed, and our building was destroyed. The church says, we didn't do it. It was just the weather. And the headline of the local newspaper the next day was, this is a first. Theater owners believe in prayer. Church doesn't. <laughs> how, many know, how many know that prayer works? When we pray, something happens in the atmosphere. Something happens in our lives. God brings things. He brings people he brings events together when we pray because we pray. Corrie ten Boone, the uh, great uh, Holocaust survivor, 
She, she said this tongue-in-cheek. She said, the more I pray, the more coincidences happen. She was saying that tongue-in-cheek because she realizes there was no coincidence. And she knew by experience because as her, her sister and her were in the concentration camp in horrible conditions, there was abuse taking place all, over the, all, all around them. But they were praying, Lord, keep us safe. Lord, we don't understand why this is happening, but Lord, keep us safe. And as they were in there for a very short time, after a very short time, uh, all of a sudden they got lice uh, all over their bodies. And she was starting to complain to God about it. Finally, her, her sister says, you know something? Stop complaining about, to God about this and start thanking him for it. You know why they, they thank him for it? Because the guards wouldn't touch him. The guards wouldn't touch him. Have to be some, we have something to be thankful for. Andrew Murray, the great uh, uh, minister and author in the 1800s, he said this, and remember this, I'll come back to this in just a little while. while when I work, I work. When I pray, God works. God works. Turn with me in, into your Bibles tonight to Acts, the second chapter. I've always wanted to say, uh, just open up your Bible because it's good all over. But I specifically want to get to Acts, the 10th chapter today. Heavenly Father, I just ask you that, that you'll take the words that are spoken tonight. Take me out of the way. Take, take my personality out of the way uh, to be used only for your glory and your honor. My words, Lord Jesus, are nothing if they're not seasoned with your anointing. I ask you, Lord Jesus, that you'll give us a mind to perceive, a heart to believe, ears to hear, and will to draw near to what you want to speak to us tonight in the name of Jesus. Amen. Acts the second chapter, beginning with the very first verse. I got about 20, 20 scriptures to read here today. Now, there was a man at Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort. In other words, uh, Cornelius was a Gentile. A devout man of whom one who feared God with all his household and gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. And about the ninth hour of the day, keep that, keep that thought right there in mind, the ninth hour, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had just come in and said to him, Cornelius, and he fixed his eye on him and being much alarmed, he says, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now dispatch some men to Joppa and send for a man named Simon, who is also called Peter. He's staying with a tanner named Simon, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who was speaking to him had left, he summoned two of his servants and a devout soldier of those who were his personal attendants. And after he had explained everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. On the next day, as they were on their way and approaching the city, Peter went up on the house stop about the sixth hour to pray. Now we have the... Uh, what we have the ninth hour with Cornelius, and we have the sixth hour <coughs> with, with Peter. When we look at this scripture here, I'll go on in just a moment, but when we look at this scripture on verse 2, verse 3, and verse 9, we see something getting ready to take place, and that is that two lives are being intersected by their prayer lives. Two men uh, of different nationalities, these men are not going to like each other in the normal. Two men, two men are going to be intersected by their prayer lives. Verse 10, but he, came, he became hungry, talking about Peter, and was desiring to eat. But while they were making preparations, he fell into a trance. 
And he saw the sky opened up, and an object like a great sheet coming down, lowered by four corners to the ground. And there were in it all kinds of four-footed animals, crawling creatures of the earth, and birds of the air. A voice came to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, have I never eaten anything unholy and unclean. Again, a voice came to him a second time. What God has cleansed, no longer consider unholy. And this happened three times, and immediately the object was taken up into the sky. Verse 17. Now, while Peter was greatly perplexed in mind as to what the vision which he had just seen might be, behold, the men who had been sent by Cornelius, having asked directions for Simon's household, appeared at the gate. Let me just stop there for just a moment. Uh, are there any women here in faith builders that uh, have, they understand men? No hands. Okay, let me explain this to you. You just read. I, I looked through Scripture, and I could not find it. You just read uh, about a miracle that had never been recorded before in history. You know what that is? And men having asked directions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For some reason, for some reason, Bertle Mike, men are sometimes stubborn with asking directions. My, my wife will say, do you know where you're going? Yes, I do. Do you know where you're going? Yes, I do. We have a hard time asking directions sometimes, don't we? So they were asking directions for Simon's house, and they appeared at the gate. And calling out, they were asking whether Simon, who was also called Peter, was staying there. Verse 19, while Peter was reflecting on the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. But get up, go downstairs, and accompany them without, without misgivings, for I have sent them to you. Now we skip to verse 44, 45, and 46, because I want to get to the end of this story, because it has great significance, because this is an amazing story. I'm going to break it down to you in just a moment. While Peter was still speaking these words, this is, this is verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. All the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. Do you understand what you just read there? You read the story about the Gentiles receiving Pentecost. Acts uh, chapter 2 was talking about the Jews receiving Pentecost, receiving the infilling and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in their life. And here we just read the last portion of what took place when the Gentiles received Pentecost. Because two men whose prayer lives intersected. This is why we pray. The priority of why we pray. Because when we pray, God gives us, I have three things here. God gives, number one, direction. When we pray, God gives direction. He gives availability. And he gives refreshment. Prayer gives us next steps in life, saints. Prayer gives us next steps. He, it gives us directions that we wouldn't have if we didn't pray. How many have ever experienced that before? Gives you next directions that you would have never received if you hadn't been in prayer. <coughs> inside, <coughs> excuse me, inside information that you can only get from praying. I'm a witness to that, that God's given me information that I would have never gotten any other way except by prayer. 
If Cornelius doesn't pray, he doesn't know about, number one, a person called Peter in a city called Joppa, staying with a tanner named Simon in a house by the sea. Four things right there. Because Cornelius was praying. He, wa he wasn't even a Jew. He was a Gentile. And God was giving him directions concerning something that was going to change history. It changed history. Four things reserved through prayer. Four things revealed through prayer. When I pray, number one, I go places I never would have gone. Number two, I meet people I never would have met. Number three, I go through doors I never should have gotten through when I pray. I'm sure every single one of us today can say, there's those, those three things I've experienced in my life. I go places I never would have gone. I meet people I never would have met. I go through doors that I never should have gotten through. But God. But God. <clears throat> I remember the story. I've told it hundreds of times. Is a story concerning my Uncle Bill. Uh, missionary to Indonesia. Uh, 1961 until he passed away last year. Uh, he was just a young kid, a couple years out of college, and he felt the, 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 the unction to be a missionary. And uh, he's, he's getting ready. He thinks he's, he's going to be going in about six or eight months, but he still doesn't have any place that he knows he's supposed to go to. He doesn't know what he's going to do when he gets there. He's in prayer, prayer continually about it. And finally God says to him, he says, I want you to go. Up to, this, he was in Pontiac. This means nothing to anybody. He was in Pontiac, Michigan. He said, I want you to go to Flint and go to college uh, up there, school, trade school, and learn how to repair um, auto, automatic transmissions. <coughs> now, wait a minute. I'm planning on going to the mission field to win souls for Christ and, and do all that stuff. And they eat birds and bugs and, and lizards. Why do I need to go to Flint, Michigan and go to a trade school and learn how to do automatic transmissions? But he did. He did. A couple years after he had, he had been there, uh, all of a sudden they were getting ready to kick out uh, all the uh, Americans because the coup was taking place in 1964, 1965, 1966 in Indonesia. It was a very dangerous place. Uh, and he was getting ready to get, get kicked out. And uh, so he went to the embassy to go ahead and get all his paperwork taken care of. He knew he was going to be on a, on a plane in 72 hours, him and his family. As he's standing in line there, uh, he runs into a, a guy that's walking through there. He was an official there in the embassy. He says, hey, Bill, how you doing? And he had, he had known him, and they started talking. And as they were talking, another guy came up to them and says, hey, we've got a problem. Uh, we've got these new vehicles that have come from America, and they're, they're, they're in need of repair. You know where I'm going on this. They're in need of repair. Can, what are we going to do about that? And uh, the guy says, I don't know what we are going to do. And Uncle Bill says, what, what's wrong with him? And he says, well, uh, we need these transmissions fixed on them because they're just not right. That, that, that chance, that coincidence right there caused or allowed him to stay another 55 years in Indonesia. He got, he got the job working at the embassy, which uh, supplied uh, income for him. He got a free housing to stay there. And then he, would, then he had carte blanche. He didn't have to <coughs> go in and out of the country every six months to, uh, to extend his visa. Only God. Because he prayed. Because when you pray... God will take you places you never thought you would have been gone. 
Can someone give me a... Is this fresh? Okay. Okay. Seriously, I've been in churches where it was last week's and had been sampled. <clears throat> we, we've, been, we've been in some churches around the world, I'm sure, Brother Fox, haven't we? Yeah. When I pray, I go places I never would have gone. I meet people I never should have met. I go through doors that never should have been gotten through. Prayerless people lends itself to directionless people. Not just people, but churches. Because when people do not pray, when churches do not pray, they plagiarize. When churches do not pray, they're into copying someone else. I, pr I can pretty much guarantee you that uh, there will never be a time when Pastor Barb walks into the meeting with the with the with the counselors and with the the, the leaders, <coughs> excuse me, and the staff of this place, and she says, "You know something? Got the Charisma magazine here. I just found out that if we do it like they did, <laughs> down the street that lay, that 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 church changed its name from such and such to." Something else. And they gained 20 people the first week. Let's do that too. I don't think that's ever going to happen. I think I, I think I got direct knowledge there, didn't I? I don't think that's ever going to happen. Because I believe the leadership of this church knows how to pray. I don't want to get my information secondhand from somebody else. I'd rather hear from God. I'd rather hear from God. I want to hear what God has to say. Can someone say, speak Holy Spirit? Yeah. These two men have never met unless they had prayed. Prayer expands our boundaries. Prayerlessness shrinks our world. God will always open the right doors if you're willing to pray. If you're willing to pray. And the thing about it is, is you, you can't underestimate the spontaneous prayers. See, there's kind of like two different types of prayer here. We understand that there's a prayer element uh, it, with the Jewish people in, in that time and, and what they do, the, how many times uh, a day they pray. But there was another element that took place during this prayer. There was two types of prayer. There's the ninth hour prayer, which was the traditional. But then there was also the sixth hour prayer, that had a tinge of spontaneousness to it. That ninth hour prayer was a time at basically about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. That sixth hour prayer was a time of prayer somewhere around noon in the day. And that sixth hour prayer that Peter uh, was partaking of, uh, he goes up to the, he goes, he's going to go to pray, but then he gets hungry. And he has them making him some food. I don't know how long it may have taken. Perhaps let's say 20 minutes, okay? In the meantime, he just relaxes and he begins to go into prayer and God puts him into a trance. That's the spontaneous portion of it. Here's the thought. The food wasn't ready. I got 20 minutes to pray. Instead of watching reruns of Seinfeld or ESPN or A Last Man Standing or Home Alone or you know what I'm saying. I've got 20 minutes today uh, that I'm not doing anything. Why don't I take that moment, those, those few moments there, and go into prayer and see what God says. See what God is speaking unto me. In other words, don't surrender. Here's something for us to understand. Don't surrender the small time intervals. 
Because God can take those spontaneous moments that we give to him and change lives. He can take the small time moments time moments, and he can create miracles, and he can open doors. God tells Peter, uh, of the men that were going to knock on his door, we find there in verse 19 and 20, while Peter was reflecting on the vision, the Spirit said to him, behold, three men are looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and accompany them without any misgivings, for I have sent them myself. In other words, there's a Gentile you're going to meet that will change history. God wants to you to understand the importance of the small time intervals if they, if, if they present themselves because God can change history in your life if you're willing to pray. There's a Gentile that's going to meet, that you're going to meet, and it's going to change history. Praise God. God will never ask us to do something that, he, that we couldn't obey. Because there are moments in the day when the Holy Spirit, that, 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 that scripture that says pray, pray without ceasing, that word without ceasing there is kind of a, almost a, like a medical term uh, where it says like, it's like an incessant cough. Uh, if you've ever been uh, had a, a cough that just wouldn't stop and you just didn't know how to get it to stop, it's just an incessant cough. That's, the, that's what that pray without ceasing is talking about there. Because there's going to be moments in your life when all of a sudden the Holy Spirit, <coughs> and you're beginning to pray. You're praying for something that God just impresses upon you to, to, to pray for. You know something, the, the, the world that we're living in, uh, it's not too far-fetched to all of a sudden as you're driving along and you're driving past a school and you look over there. And you say, Lord, protect them. Protect them. <clears throat> the greatest tragedy in life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. That was said by F.B. Meyer, a, a, a pastor in the 1800s. The greatest tragedy in life is not unanswered prayer, but it's unoffered prayer. In other words, the only way that you can fail at prayer is not to show up. God will connect your prayer with something that would never have taken place any other way. Cornelius' scheduled prayer meets Peter's spontaneous prayer. Only God. Turn to somebody and say, only God. Only God can do that. <clears throat> and number three, I don't know what happened to number two, but anyway, number three would, is this. Prayer is a spiritual reboot for your life every single day. Uh, there's been times, against my better judgment, I've gone into a department store or a nice fancy store you know, Von Maher, the, the, the Macy's, CVS. <laughs> and, and go, up to the, go up to the counter, and I'll say, yeah, I'm looking for uh, a perfume for my wife. Perfume for my wife. And all of a sudden, the lady comes out, and, and she, she, do you know what you'd like? I'm not sure, really. I've stopped doing this because I just said, hon, just whatever you like, just go get it. Aww. Wisdom. <clears throat> Wisdom. Where am I at here? Oh, yes. <laughs> and so, I've, I, I, so here's what she does. She, she, you, you've seen it, and it's probably happened to you. She takes the perfume, and what she does, she grabs a little piece of paper, and, and she sprays it on there, and she whiffs around like that, and she hands it to you, and... Okay, okay. Skunk? Oh, no, no, no. Okay, you got another one. And so she'll do it again, you know, and she put that one right there. And she'll do another one. And, and that smells, I can't tell the difference, right? I can't tell the difference. Mike, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Yeah. I can't tell the difference. And so what she do? <clears throat> she then grabs 
a jar of huh? coffee beans. Makes sense to me, right? But what does that do? It resets. Hello. It resets your ability to smell the next perfume. Guess what prayer does in your life? It resets. When you pray, prayer resets your soul and your spirit to see things, to hear things, <coughs> even to smell things. Like God hears, sees, and smells things. When you pray, you see something differently. You see a circumstance differently. You see a person differently. Not as annoyance, not as a pain. Hello, I'm talking to somebody besides me today. Not as a pain or an annoyance or a situation as something that, oh, gosh, I never want to have to go through that. But when you're in prayer, that prayer resets how you see that thing, how you see that person. Help me, Holy Ghost, to be able to do what you know God's called you to do. But you reboot, you reboot to see them like God sees them. <clears throat> Does Peter, let me ask you a question. Does Peter even answer the door? If he doesn't pray, Acts the 10th chapter, the 28th through the, I'm glad you asked, 28 through 29, it says this in the uh, NASB version, and, to, and he said to them, you yourselves know that it's forbidden for a Jewish man to associate with or visit a foreigner, and yet God has shown me that I am not to call any person unholy or unclean. That's why I came without even raising an objection when I was sent for. So I ask, for what reason was I sent for? Peter's saying, you know for sure. You and I both know that there's no reason for us to be communicating. There's no reason for us to even say hi to one another. But while I was in prayer... God said, <clears throat> a man who prays will accomplish more in one day than another would in a lifetime. Why? Because when I work, I work. But when I pray, God works. Amen? I need a reboot. I need a reset. Every day of my life, I need God's point of view in my life. How about you tonight? Every day of my... And here, I, I know it was a long time ago, but I read this whole list of things that we pray for in life. But yet, it seems like prayer is that untapped resource in our lives that we continually have to be reminded of. I would probably venture to say we could have a spontaneous altar call for people tonight who have to still work on their prayer life. I, would, I wouldn't even walk that way. I'd just jump down the altar right there. I need to continually work on my prayer life because I realize far too many times that I'm not doing prayer like I know God wants me to. I need a reboot. I need a reset. We often see prayer as a, as a sacrifice. Special times, you know, someone will call a special uh, week of prayer or a, a night of prayer or perhaps a prayer before church, and we think, well, Ah, I'm sacrificing for God. How many know that you're not sacrificing? You're not sacrificing. We need a reset. Not what it costs you to pray, but what it costs God to allow you to pray. 
It cost Jesus his life so you could pray. Hebrews is the 10th chapter, the 19th verse. It says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. Did you catch that? That's all you need to hear right there. The only reason I can come into the holy place is because of the shed blood of Jesus. I'm not sacrificing anything when I come to him in prayer. By his death, Jesus opened a new and a new, uh, opened a new and living life-giving way through the curtain of the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. Can you say amen? I can pray because Jesus died. He hung on that cross and was resurrected. I can pray tonight because of him. Not because of my sacrifice. I, I, I've seen what prayer can do. I've seen what prayer can do in the foreign lands. That's an easy one. So let me start there. I can see, I, I've seen what prayer can do in the foreign lands. I remember in 1969, I was a 14-year-old kid, and we, were, we went uh, from Jakarta, Indonesia, down to Sarabaya. My dad was holding revival surf services, and we got down there, and we found out that the day before, uh, one of the great elders of the church had passed away uh, suddenly. And so the church began to go to prayer concerning it. Yeah, he's dead already. He began to go to prayer about it, and my father was there, and they prayed. And wouldn't you know, one day after he died, he rose. He rose. Now, there, wasn't some, there was some people that weren't happy about that. In fact, the, the, guy, the old guy's family said, okay, since you rose him, you can take care of him the rest of your life. There's always going to be somebody that don't want you praying. <laughs> there was some times in our church there in Michigan, I remember a lady that she came in, she was a part of our church, and uh, she didn't, someone may have heard me say this before, she didn't have uh, any eyeball in that socket right there. It was totally empty. Uh, if she would, and she did it a couple of times, she would lift up her eyelid, and there was just nothing there. Absolutely nothing there. You'd look, you'd look in there, didn't want to do, get too close, but you'd look in there, and there was just nothing there. They prayed, they prayed, and they prayed. And the next week, she came back, and she had a full-blown eyeball. And she had, she had it ever since. My cousin, who was a portion, a part of the church, my, it was my dad's cousin, actually. Uh, his age, uh, she was born with only one kidney. And they prayed. And God performed a miracle. And she was given another. God, God put a new, another kidney into her body. We know that because a few years later, her daughter needed a kidney. <laughs> and she gave her one of her kidneys. Ain't that God? Ain't that God? I was preaching one, I was preaching a few years ago. This was before my wife and I got married. I was preaching and and uh on a Sunday morning and and uh preaching along and this one lady, she had a she had a a habit of interceding to the point where she would go to sleep. All of our churches have somebody. <laughs> she would she would go to she would just about go to sleep every single service on on Sunday mornings, and I I was used to it. You know, I I had I've had that effect on some people sometimes. <laughs> 
and she had been asleep for some time, 15, 20 minutes, and all of a sudden someone leaned over and looked, looked at her and raised their, she, they raised their hands and said, Pastor Chuck, she ain't breathing. She ain't breathing. And we went, we went down there, and uh, sure enough, she was, she was gray and she was cold. We prayed, and she lived uh, three or four more years after that. Prayer does work. Prayer works. And I'm sure there are so many of us here tonight that could give a testimony of what prayer has done in your life. With this story, God took two people that should not be ever coming in contact with another. And because of prayer, the Gentiles had Pentecost. The Gentiles had Pentecost. There's a scripture that I keep in mind that's very special to me. It's Psalm, the 65th chapter, first and second verse. It says, Prayer, praise awaits you, O God, in Zion. For you, to you, our vows will be fulfilled. You who answer prayer. When I'm saved, when I'm when I'm when I'm going through problems, you who answer prayer. When I'm in need of healing, you who answer prayer. Does someone have a testimony that would end with you who answer prayer? When everything is going right, you who answer prayer. When the doctor has given up, you who answer prayer. When God wants you to pray for your children, and it's over and over and over again, they just keep on getting worse, continually say, you who answer prayer. <clears throat> when relationships are getting ready to fall apart and families are getting ready to fall apart, yeah, you who answer prayer. The responsibility on this, I want to close right now, but the responsibility on this lays with you. In Matthew, the sixth chapter tonight, I'll close with this. Matthew, the sixth chapter. <clears throat> and the sixth verse. You probably know where I'm going with this. Did I, did, I, did I give that to them? Yeah. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Eight times, you know this to be true, eight times that scripture uh, puts the responsibility where it lays. You. Me. We have the opportunity. We have the responsibility to change the world through our prayers. As I started out this morning, this after, this, I know it seems like this morning, okay. When I... When I started out this evening, I, lay, I, I, I put it out on the table, all these things that we pray for. We pray for this and that and everything we say. But yet, but yet, it's the greatest undiscovered resource in God's world. He says, you have the opportunity. Pray. Stand with me today. Like I said, we could have a spontaneous altar call for an inconsistent prayer life. 
And I'm sure just about everyone would answer that altar call. I hope I've challenged you tonight. I nah, the wrong way to say it. You know where, where I'm gonna, what I'm going to say now. I hope the Spirit of God has challenged you tonight about your prayer life. It's the most important thing that I can give back to God is my prayer life. I am, I am never... I am never going to be, this isn't negative thinking or what positive, whatever it is. I am never going to be uh, a great uh, orator. I am never going to be a great uh, minister as in giving the word. But God has given me unlimited ability to pray. And he's given to you the same. You could have the best voice <coughs> that has ever been heard in Christian airwaves. You could have the, 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 the best talents God could ever, ever give to you concerning anything in your life. But it would not come close to the power and the authority that you and I have in prayer. Let's just take a moment tonight and reflect, see what God's saying to you tonight about your prayer life. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Heavenly Father, you know that we love you. We know, you know that we have an understanding of how great your love for us is and what our response should be. But yet we have fallen so far short so often. But yet you still, but yet you still, desire to hear our voice wanting to hear your voice let us have a hunger we pray we don't want to have a hunger because of the latest emergency in our life. Lord, our hunger should come from our desire for intimacy. Our desire for intimacy with you. In the quietness or in the busyness of the day, you still have given us the ability to say, Father, Daddy, here I am. Speak to me. Speak to me, Lord. Speak to me, Lord.
draw us near to you, Lord. We want to hear your voice. We want to hear your voice. We need to hear your voice. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus. So as he was uh, praying in the Holy Ghost, there's something in the Bible called the interpretation of tongues. And I just want to give the interpretation of what he was declaring under the power of the Holy Ghost. And Heavenly Father just wants you to know that he hears your prayers. The prayers of righteous people, just like you, availeth much. And the prayer has almost become too easy. Something that might be there here today and something you do tomorrow, but maybe not in a way that would be pleasing to the Lord because God would say he loves and longs to hear from you. He longs to hear from you. It's almost as if you were on a distant island somewhere and how much more communication would mean to you if you were on that island alone and it's not that God's alone it's that he wants and desires intimacy with you it's not about the list of things you need in your life because he already knows what you have need of he says I know I know I know but I want to talk to you. I want you to see that person that is so indifferent from you. Instead of complaining about them, I want you to pray for them. That person who's your enemy in life, I want you to pray for that person. I have great things in store, says the Heavenly Father. They're in store, already laid up. Come freely. Come boldly before the throne of grace. Don't run from me because of my sovereignty, says the Lord. Run to me. Don't run away when you experience difficulty. Run to me. 
I already know. I hold the world in my hand. And yet I know how many hairs are upon your head. I know all the cares of this world. I love you with an everlasting love. Not one that's conditional that you had to have a good day before you could talk to me. I just long to speak with you. Hallelujah. Just such a beautiful presence here tonight. Such an impactful word from an incredible man of God. And I don't say that because I think he's better than anybody else. It's because he carries Christ on the inside of him. He carries the word of God that's alive and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it's a man who's walked the walk. He's talked the talk. He's been there. He's done that. He's been an example to all of us to follow. And we're so thankful for you, Chuck. So thankful for you, Lori. God bless you both. I know he is. I know he will. I know he continues to. But thank you so much for the word tonight. And thank you for being obedient to allow God to challenge all of us right where we are. Get your prayer right. Get your prayer life right. And I promise you, he's just waiting and longing for you to speak with him.